Luke chapter 8 this morning. Luke chapter 8. I am incredibly, you don't know me and I don't know most of you, but you know what? I love Jesus and many of you love Jesus and we're going to be all right this service, okay? I'm so in debt, indebted to uh, DeSoto County. Are we in DeSoto County? I don't even know. Okay, all right. I need to make sure before I say this. My wife grew up at Longview Heights Baptist Church and uh, raised her up, and they did, they did a good job. And so I'm so grateful, grateful to God for uh, North Mississippi, and I'm from Central Mississippi, so um, God sent me up here for a few years, and the best thing ever happened to me other than Christ was her. And so I'm so thankful, so thankful for you guys. Um, I love Derek Fortenberry. He's a man of God. He was my transfer Bible study leader at Ole Miss. Can you believe that? Did, any, did you know there was Bible studies at Ole Miss? Some of you didn't even know that. I see John Engstrom over here. Dear brother, him and his wife, love them. So many people in this church love Jesus. I'm so grateful for Tommy Vinson, your interim pastor. He did, he did our, trans, uh, he did our uh, marriage counseling, and that's why I have such a good marriage, I guess. But he's, a, I believe, a I don't know if I should say that, a prophet of God. And uh, every time he preaches the Bible, God speaks. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, he's, yeah, it's just anointing and humility. He gets out of the way, and God uses him. And also have respect, so much respect for your former pastor, Pastor Wade. And uh, love that man of God. So today, I hope that the Lord, I hope you will focus on what God is saying to you as an individual, and then maybe collectively as a church body. I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 25 is where we're going to be this morning. The title of this message is this, Hoist the Sails. Hoist the sails. Luke 8, verse 22. If you're with me, say word. word. All right. One day he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. Some of the ladies are thinking, that's just like my husband. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this? That he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Wow. 
I have five charges from this passage I'd like to share with you this morning. Five charges from this passage. Number one, get in the boat. Get in the boat. Jesus told them to get in the boat and go across the other side of the lake. I believe your church right now is in that phase. It's time to go to the other side of the lake. The terrifying part about that is you don't know what's coming. And that's also the exciting part. God is doing a great work in this body. God has great mighty things in store for this body. You know, God does not forget about his people. And some of the richest, most incredible days of ministry are in the future of this church. And this, this morning, as a brother in Christ, I want to encourage you with that. Get in the boat. Sometimes just coming to church and going to Sunday school and going through the motions, going to work and doing all these things, sometimes, doesn't that get old? You need to make sure, I need to make sure that we are in the boat with the Lord. You know, the, the term set out is used 13 times in the book of Acts. They set out. Sadly, most people in the church and in Mississippi, I've noticed, would rather sit out than set out. And God is calling us today. Hey, get in the boat with me and watch what I'm doing. Problem is, many people here today, you're not in the boat. You're, not, you're in a boat, but it's not the right boat. You're not in the boat with the Lord. You're in your own boat doing your own thing, and your identity is wrapped up in your career or your talents or whatever you're known for, and God's inviting you today to get in the boat. So today, if you are not saved, if you don't know Christ... You may have gone to church your entire life, but you know for a fact that you don't know the Lord, that you've never repented of a lifestyle sin, put your faith and called upon the name of the Lord to save you. And maybe today is that day. I want to encourage you, friend, come to Christ. Don't wait till you get it all figured out. You're never going to. Come to the Lord just as you are. Bring all the junk, all the baggage. Bring it to Him, and He'll save you. You know why? Not because of anything you did, but because God sent his son to die on that old rugged cross, to shed his blood for you and for me and for the whole world. So that's the question we need to ask. Are you in the right boat today? You know, have you ever tried to change from one boat to the other? It's kind of a scary thing. Now, if the waters are calm, it's, you know, you just kind of jump over in another boat. But if you're out in the sea and their waves are going and the wind is blowing, it's a very difficult thing. We live in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Me and my wife, God sent us down there to suffer for the Lord. There's a, there's a lot of lost people down there. And sometimes the waters get choppy the further out you go. And sometimes, if your boat's in trouble, you better get out and get into another boat. And sometimes the waves are rocking, the wind is blowing, and even if your boat, even if there's not a rescue boat, you jump in the water. Why? Because your boat is sinking. Some people need to plunge in the water today. You need to get saved. You need to come and know Christ. And when your ship is sinking, you do whatever it takes. You don't let your friends, your neighbor, nobody else keep you from following the Lord. There's two evidences of salvation, I believe. There's, actually, there's a lot. But number one, you will be compassionate. Did you know that? Freely we receive, freely we give. Almost every major hospital chain in America was started by Christians. 
Number two, you will have convictions if you are saved today. What's a conviction? Well, Merriam-Webster defines a conviction as a strong persuasion or belief. Do you have any convictions? If not, I want to encourage you. Get in God's Word and get you some. We need some people that have convictions, that obey God's Word. And as Christians, we have certain beliefs grounded in the Word of God. Sadly, sometimes we have convictions that are not grounded in the Word of God. And that's another sermon for another time that we don't have time for today. The second charge I'd like to charge you with from this passage is to ride the waves. Ride the waves. Look at verse 23. As they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filling with water and were in danger. When I'm talking about waves, I'm talking about trials. I'm talking about struggles. Anybody been there? Anybody there now? The Bible says this, a very uh, awesome, powerful verse from James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Really? Pure joy? Doesn't say pure happiness. Pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, sadly, many of us get so distracted and so concerned with the wind and the waves that we lose sight of the mission. Don't we do that all the time? Every day, every week, we're thinking about the wind and the waves. Many of us get so sidetracked by what's happening in Washington that we forget about what's happening on our street. We get so confused and so concerned with all these things that God has not called us to be concerned over. What He has called us to be concerned over is preaching the gospel to the lost and discipling those who have accepted Jesus Amen. to be a part of the kingdom. What if our walk with God is so steady, it's so rich, it's so in tune with the Lord that we can fall asleep anywhere? The people in my church, if they fall asleep in a sermon, I've gotten to where I, you know, I'm not offended. I just think they're so in tune with the Lord. <laughs> It's a day of rest. It doesn't bother me. I just say, brother, just go to sleep, man. It's a day of rest. Don't you want to ride the wave that never dies? A lot of people spend a lot of time, money, and emotion on things that are not going to matter, are not going to last. I told your students there's three things that's going to last forever. The Lord, His Word, and souls. Not your house, not your car, not your flower bed, not your reputation. We need to invest in the kingdom of God. And I want to applaud you, church, for investing in the next generation like you have this weekend. I don't think I've seen a church that invests, put all their eggs in the next generation's basket and regrets it. Do you realize that Generation Z right now, your students, they are the most pro-life generation in America God's raising them up, and you better hold on tight because they're going to have some convictions. And God's giving you opportunity to invest in them. All the trophies, all the accomplishments, all the treasure you have stored up is going to perish. But if you invest in the kingdom of God, you'll gather up things above where moth and rust cannot destroy. Number three. 
Number three from this passage, embrace the risk. Embrace the risk. If you've been following the Lord for any time, you understand now that God does not always lead you by the most direct route. Does he? Think of Moses. And they left Israel, and there they are in the desert. And I mean, the promised land is this way, and the Lord says, go that way. <laughs> and the Lord sends them to a place that it seemed impossible. How are we going to get across this? Now, why did God do that? To show his power and his glory. And to gain glory over Pharaoh. Too many times we bail out of the boat at the first sign of trouble. The first sign of trouble. If you follow the Lord, there's going to be risk involved. Let me ask you this. When was the last time that you did have done anything difficult or hard to help your church? Accomplish the mission of making disciples. It was the last time that you and I, we've done difficult things just to help our own church. Accomplish the mission of reaching the world with the gospel. You see, we a lot of times give our leftovers to God's bride. We should give the first. I want to share with you about my friend quickly, Greg Gomez. Greg Gomez was a BSU summer missionary. He went to the University of Mississippi. Now, if you're a state fan, hey, I like Mississippi State too. Don't, please don't. Just get over that, okay? We, we're on the same team. Greg was the top engineering student in his department at Ole Miss. This guy was the chaplain of his fraternity. I didn't really like the fraternity people, but that's just me. But Greg was a missionary. He was awesome. And, and Greg loved the Lord. God sent him to Peru. He had just graduated. He was getting ready to graduate. This company said, hey, we'll offer you a six-digit figure out of college. Now, the truth is most of the people that go to college don't make any money, and all the people making money didn't go to college. Y'all know that's true, right? I mean, just look at the facts. But, but uh, Greg, he was offered this amazing job straight out of school. Unheard of. Because he was the man, I'm telling you. He, this guy, every girl wanted to date him. He was, he was the guy. Loved the Lord, humble, man of God. And Greg told that company, no. God had called him to go to Peru to serve as a BSU summer missionary. The company wanted him so bad, they said, you know what, Greg? When you come back home, you'll have your job waiting on you. Well, he goes to Peru. One day, he and his team were on a bus coming down a mountain. And that bus turned over. And Greg made sure that the, the, his teammates were in the back of the bus because that was the safest spot. And Greg stayed in the front. And Greg was killed that summer, 2008 as a BSU summer missionary. He didn't come home. In his journal, a few days before, he wrote this. We have the most important news on the planet. 
that people need to hear. And I want to give the rest of my life to sharing that good news. Now, the world would look at that and say, oh, what a waste. What a waste. But the kingdom-minded people would say, oh, what a blessing. You see, thousands upon thousands of people have been mobilized to take the gospel to that, those people in Peru. How many people have come to know Christ? It will be in heaven because Greg Gomez gave his life. What risk are you taking? What risk have you taken lately for, for the Lord? Sometimes to be obedient, you have to risk being embarrassed. Most church folks I've met, they're afraid to be embarrassed. We need some people that are unashamed of the gospel. Sometimes God calls us to risk our life. Sometimes following Jesus will get you killed. You and I have to decide, is he worthy of it all? And I want to tell you, friend, he is worthy of it all. Number four, fourth charge from this passage. Watch him work. Watch him work. Look at verse 24. Look what the Lord does. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. There was a calm. You see, God, he invented the wind. He created the water. He knows what he's doing. And when you follow the Lord, when you're in the boat with him, when you embrace the risk and you hold on for dear life, friend, you will see God work. Have you seen God work lately? He talks to the wind. He talks to the waves with the word, and they obey. That's good. I think I want to be in his boat. What about you? If he controls all of it, then he can take care of you. He's the Lord. Nobody can rival him. And if the water's calm, you need to enjoy it while it lasts. Because it's coming. That's why today on my drive back to Jackson, Mississippi, I'm going to enjoy the calm because when I get there, I've got to pick up three little rugrats, and it's going to be crazy after that. And we have one on the way. Just found out. A little girl. So I'm taking up ammo after the service. Number five, last one. John, you awake? Man of God. Man, I love this brother. Are you a member here? Praise God. Number five, hoist the sails. Hoist the sails, my friend. Look at verse 25. He said to them, where is your faith? Man, I think that would disturb me if Jesus looked me in the eyes and said, son, where's your faith? He says, where's your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? Where's your faith? You know, if you don't have any faith, you will stay exactly where you are spiritually. If you don't have any faith, you'll come to church, you'll sit, you'll soak, and you're, you will sour. Three steps from sailing, from what I know, and I don't know a whole lot. I almost died in Jamaica on a little sailboat, but that's why on our honeymoon... <laughs> 
But sailing, where we live, a lot of people sail. There's three basic steps concerning sailing. Number one, you got to get in the boat. And uh, then you turn the boat into the wind. You put the nose of the boat in the wind. And then you raise the mainsail. And after you raise the mainsail, you bear off the wind until the sail powers up. You can't make the wind blow. God does that. And then you head slightly downwind. And for the wind to propel the boat, the sails must be lifted so that he can fill with the wind. The sails must be hoisted. Church, God's in the boat. We need to be passionate and obedient to complete the Great Commission. Do you have passion for the Lord? You know, when you have a passion to be obedient, it will cause you to go to a uh, Sunday school class or life group class, whatever kind of small group you have. You'll have courage, even though it may be nerve-wracking. You may think, man, these people, they don't really know me. Uh, some of them, you know, you just have all these fears and thoughts can come into your heart, to your mind. But when you, when you say, Lord, I don't really know these people. And I'm terrified, but God, I want you to give me courage to go sit in this class. God will do that. He'll bless it. you got to love the Lord enough to take the risk to put yourself there. Some of you are going to have your children in a few years. Say, God's called them to do something. Now, sometimes God may not have called them to do that, and you'll have to be the one to tell them. Well, I've talked to the Lord, and I've prayed about it, and He told me you're not going. Okay? But, but some of you, God's going to call your children to do some things that God did call to go, to do. And you might not like it. And in that moment, you need to remember where that, where that kiddo came from. God sent them to you. And so we're going to have to make some hard decisions in the future when it comes to being obedient. When you're passionate for the Lord, you do whatever it takes. To avoid sin. You do whatever it takes to accomplish the mission. Too long we have settled. Too long we have compromised. We need people to have some convictions. As I close, I'm going to share with you a few convictions. And I'm doing this uh, because you might not ever see me again. And so I think that's a beautiful thing because I can just say whatever God puts on my heart. (laughs) And I'm not really running for office in DeSoto County. I don't care. But I love you because you're my brothers and sisters. And I want to share just a few convictions that I have quickly. Rapid fire. I believe every word of God is true. Why do I believe that? 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures God breathed. I believe every single word of it is true. Number two. I I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that because God's word says it in John 14.6. I believe we should not be entertained by darkness. Ephesians 5.11 says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's why I don't want to be anywhere close to a Ouija board or a horoscope, none of that stuff. Deepak Chopra and all the people in America that act like spiritual gurus, I don't have nothing to do with that stuff. The Bible says stay away from it. Ephesians 5.10 says, Test and prove what pleases the Lord. Test it. When you hear the TV preacher talking about 
this and that. And if you follow God, then this will happen. Friend, back up. Test it. They just telling you what you want to hear? Or are they sharing the word of God? I believe in the church. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said, I, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is God's plan A to reach the nations. The church is the one that raises up pastors, missionaries, evangelists. The church is the hospital for the hurting and a lighthouse for the broken, for the searching. Now, this is one that I'm going to get in trouble about. I don't care. I believe drinking alcohol is not wise. It's not a matter of liberty. It's a matter of wisdom. Two reasons. Number one, I believe it's unwise because Proverbs 20, verse 1, which is God's word, says, Wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. You know, in Washington, they want to talk about all the other drugs and all these things happening, but alcohol has killed more people than every single illegal drug combined. And nobody, nobody talks about it. Amen. Now, friend, I want to just tell you, I've got a lot of friends that drink alcohol. And, many, and there's some of them that really love the Lord. But I think it's unwise. Get you some convictions and get them from the Word of God. Number two, Another reason why I think it's unwise is because it can harm my witness. It can harm my witness. I don't want my brother or my sister or anybody to stumble. Romans 14, 21 says, It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. So what, I mean, what if you saw your pastor just kicking back, enjoying a cool one on a Sunday afternoon? I mean... What would that do to your faith? If it offends one person, that's enough right there. Friend, we need to stop compromising. We need to be different. If we're different, then people might ask you about the hope that's inside of you. But if you look just like the world, nobody's going to ask. And it's going to be really hard to have a gospel conversation with somebody if you're not different. Jesus says, Luke chapter 5, verse 22, let us go to the other side of the lake. Longview Point, coming soon, it's time for you to go to the other side of the lake. It's going to be good, it's going to be healthy, and you're going to be okay because Jesus, God Almighty, is in the boat with you. He knows what he's doing. Adrian Rogers says that the Holy Trinity, he used to say the Holy Trinity never has to meet in an emergency session. That's true. God knows what he's doing. Number one, get in the boat. Number two, ride the waves. Number three, embrace the risk. And number four, watch him work. And number five, hoist the sails. Hold on for dear life. If God, if you provide those sails, he'll provide the wind. If you provide the wood, he'll provide the fire. If you surrender, God will use you in a mighty way for his glory.